Welcome to the first episode of my new podcast. I live in Nepal, and nobody in Nepal is talking about the two major and over 300 minor earthquakes that hit Nepal in April and May of this year. The aftermath was both tragic and hopeful. Tragic for the lives lost and hopeful for the unity that was born of it. That unity was finally realized when the Nepal government agreed on and signed a constitution. This could have been a time to celebrate. After eight years of disagreement, strikes, and violent clashes, it took a massive national catastrophe to bring Nepal together. Of course, like most socio-political economic issues, it is far more complicated than that. The thing that everyone is talking about now is the direct result of the new constitution. Over three months ago, India closed the border and shut off the fuel supply to Nepal. Not only diesel and petrol, but propane for cooking, heating, food supplies, as well as many other imported goods that Nepalese depend on. I'm Hamilton Pevic, and this is American Immigrant. In this podcast, I will sit down with Sham Gurung, a 33-year-old Nepalese man who is about to become a father, and talk to him about buying black market gas and the Nepali fuel crisis. We will also be stopped by a democracy in action citizen roadblock and talk to a few people on either side of the fence. The fuel crisis began while I was out of Nepal. I came back after three months in the West. The first thing I noticed after landing in Kathmandu were the motorcycles lined up on the road for miles, strung with plastic string, waiting for fuel. Police in blue camouflage were stationed at the pumps. I traveled the familiar six-hour bus ride along the Prithivi Highway back to Pokhara where my wife and I run Himalayan Yogini Retreat. I found it odd that the price of the bus ticket hadn't changed. Perhaps the tourist buses are subsidized, but I suspect they are just well connected. There was graffiti along the road that said, hashtag back off India. Arriving in Pokhara, red and blue lines of hundreds of propane cylinders waited to be filled. They were strung together with chains. The Fewa Lake Valley that I call home had thick air from the dust and wood fires. Devika, my wife, had already been cooking on wood for over a month when I got home. It was the first time in 32 years I experienced a shortage, especially of the one thing that defines the state of our world today, hydrocarbon fuel. You don't notice the impacts of a fuel shortage until you try to get that thing you needed, and it's not there anymore. Walking through the aisles of the department store, some shelves are empty. Where there used to be knives or coconut oil, instant noodles are now on ration. Slowly, the things we all need will run out. I interviewed my brother-in-law, Sham, about how he maneuvers a crisis at this unique time. Sham helps manage our retreat center, teaches yoga, and is also expecting a child. This one on your lap, and I'll hold this one. And we'll just wait for the plane to pass. Okay, so just let's start with the basics. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Sam, and uh, I'm staying in Pokhara for the past uh, eight years. And I'm running a yoga studio with my sister. Uh, we are now, uh, it's called a Peace Road, which is about 15 minute drive from Pokhara Lakeside. And it's more like a countryside from where you can see the lake, lakeside. It's a great view. What's going on right now in the country, in Nepal? The major issue what I have been, I mean, uh, experience is uh, the major is uh, fuel crisis. 
at the same time the cooking gas and on top of that once there is a shortage of gas and uh, a fuel crisis of course it's pretty much like a dead a basic needs you know like a rice cooking oil everything you know but however you can get in town still but then the price are almost double you know describe to me how you buy petrol oh well uh now is uh, the situation is pretty much like you can get the petrol very right, right next to your uh, right next to your door you know because everyone is most of the people are selling and how they get into the town is uh, mostly the people who drive the long uh, lo- like night night driver or day driver who drive from Shunoli border to Pokhara so normally they put uh, i mean they brought through the bus you know so and then what i heard is but i i haven't i mean witnessed that but what i have heard is they have to pay to the police in a border and then checking everywhere wherever there is a checkpoint check post or checkpoint that they had to pay there uh, they could buy there around like 160 or 185 per liter and then because of they have to pay in uh, almost every check post to uh, get through their bus to Pokhara. So that is the reason they are charging like 500 rupees. And Let me interrupt you there. Yeah. When you say they have to pay to the police, yeah. is that just the cost of moving through the checkpoint or is that a bribe? I would say um, it's pretty much like a bribe because uh, actually they already have a route permit to drive through that road, you know, so they don't have to pay. The problem is because it was about a month ago, there was a one uh, accident or incident uh, because of having a lots of gallon of petrol and diesel inside the bus it was burnt you know and people were die and since then they do stop uh, allowing to bring this uh, gas uh, petrol diesel you know like what do you do tell me step by step yeah what do you do to buy petrol Petrol, normally, like for now, I have a two or three people in my contact list, you know. So they will always call. I mean, quite often they call me, okay, whether you need or not. And then they brought from, uh, they bought from the uh, Indian border. And then uh, they bring in town, like 100 liter, 200 liters. And then they sell in a, a small scale, like one liter, five liter, 10 liter. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, normally I do that in the night because during the day someone might notice you, you know. And then now uh, the authority are quite strict to stop this black market. So uh, compared to earlier, now it's a little bit difficult. That's what I felt, you know. Because earlier you can just go to their house and then you can just, uh, you know, transfer the well easily but now i feel i don't also feel secure so basically i go into the night you told me you had a connection on the border yeah. to buy fuel yeah. and that i wasn't allowed to go with you yeah so explain to me why i wasn't allowed uh generally because now uh, there is a conflict between uh Madesi. I mean, Madesi means the people who uh, are staying very close to the border area. They're, it's still in the Nepal territory, and uh, people from there and the government, they are not happy with the new constitution that we recently drafted, you know. And they, are, they have been striking there since long. It's been almost uh, three months plus plus. Mm-hmm. Mm, that is the reason, normally, they don't allow people to go there, you know, mm-hmm. even for the Nepali people. Let's say if I'm going there also, they won't simply allow, unless I go empty hand. But if I go with my motorbike, by driving the car, you know, it's very difficult because they feel that we are doing a black market for the fuel, you know, to get from there. And then because in India, you can get easily in the same price that is normally in it. 
in a in a market. But once it's get into the Nepal and then it's already in the black market. So that's why they don't allow you know to to get that. So the last time I paid was uh, 280 rupees per liter. So which is like three dollars. So now slowly going down because the black market is already getting more and more. You know. The so earlier is, uh, you know, very few people uh, do that. There are more black market entrepreneurs now, three months after they closed the Absolutely. border, than yeah. there was before. Yeah. So the black market is actually helping to lower the prices generally for yeah. most people. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So um, besides the prices going up of everything, yeah. Um, what else? What else has changed? Changing is, uh, you could see um, less movement of people. Because you know, uh, people who could really afford to buy the black market fuel or uh, whatever, you know, because in terms even you buying the like uh, rice, oil, whatever, so it's not easy to get in the same price. And at the same time, uh, it's already shortage in a town also. That's what I heard. Like uh, my recent experience yesterday, me and my sister went to town to look for the uh, noodles. It's already shortage in a whole town. You know? So slowly, you know. Even in the hospital, also the medicine also also already shortage. Now you were mentioning that it costs five hundred rupees per liter yeah. to buy fuel here, um, and for our listeners, that's about twenty five dollars per gallon. So earthquake or fuel crisis, mm -hmm. which is worse? I would say the the fuel crisis because earthquake. We still have uh, supplies from many countries, helping from many countries, borders open, you know, of course, and then earthquake has this effect in the particular area. It was uh, in a Gorkha, Sindhu Plansuk, there are a few places. But this uh, blockage has affected the 75 districts, so that means the whole nationwide, you know, so mm -hmm. of course it's a, it's a fuel crisis. Right next to my house, there is one gas dealer, and I have kept my gas cylinder I think it's already 12 days, you know, I just queue up that and it still haven't arrived yet, you know, there are 400 or 500 gas cylinder queuing up, it's been already 10 or 15 days, so that's the worst experience, you know, which is right next to my house and then I couldn't get and then you can't imagine the other area, I mean, apart from my area, because my area is pretty much in a town, so the area that doesn't have a transport, you know, and then uh, doesn't have easy access to get there you can't imagine how they have been suffering so yeah that's the worst experience that i i could say and what's the worst for nepal do you think in your opinion and the worst for nepal is of course it because the black market first thing and then second thing the because the black market everyone is suffering the country economic also going down daily because the block uh, the border is blocked you know mm -hmm. so we don't have import and export and what's the best aspect of all this for you? Do you see any upside for you in this fuel crisis? I could still see, I mean, I'm still uh, hoping for good things to come out because still talks are going on with Indian government, Chinese government. And uh, if the talks are, I mean, benefit for both of us, maybe this blockage will withdraw or uh, how do you say? I mean, there will be normal situation. I'm still, still hoping for good. No. But what, I mean, 
do you mean good by this crisis ending or like good in the way maybe people start to think differently or invest differently or maybe the country will work towards you know not only just being a stable government mm-hmm. but also investing in infrastructure that isn't dependent on India or China absolutely yeah because uh, from this situation what the government has learned is we shouldn't be dependent on India or Chinese or other countries you know we should be self-dependent mm-hmm. that's a good side and if we try to keep that keep going and keep incurring the uh, encouraging the people that who have that ability you know it's good for us mm-hmm. so that we don't have to depend on other people how do you see this crisis ending like in what's the what's the way it could end for now it's uh, from our I mean internal um, I mean from government our own government uh, by uh, our own self it's not possible I, do, I don't see any possibilities and for now of course we should either rely on Chinese or Indian because these are the two close neighbor or two close open border because we are landlocked we don't have any uh, connection with uh, uh, how do you call it? Uh, sorry the sea uh, sea or whatever you know yeah Mm. shipping so since we are a landlocked country our closest neighbor is indian and china you know even government say okay we don't want to depend on india we don't want to depend on china they talk randomly to get publicity whatever i don't believe on that you know Mm. because somehow we need to depend on both of them Mm. for now but and this is a good lesson for them also because you know do not happen this in the future they should think from now you know what is the possibilities for us what we could do by our own people in power could listen to you now if they were listening now what would you what would you tell them uh, for me of course I would tell them that uh, we should be uh, I mean self-dependent and then we should uh, uh, promote uh, our own country product whatever we have like uh, like we have lots of water source you know Nepal is considered second or third in the world, you know, because and it's the same for that we have a um, power cutage. I mean, um, power shortage, you know, mm-hmm. like sometimes eight hours, sometimes six hours. And which is, of course, is a same for. So what we can do is we can produce lots of hydropower here and we can send the electricity to China, India. Mm. Is there anything else that you want to add to this? Um, you know, if uh, I... You know, people will listen to this, mm-hmm. and your experience is really important for people to understand the truth of the situation, mm-hmm. not just speculating about the national situation and why it's happening and how it will end and all this, but like really oh, what it's like to live in a fossil fuel free society. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're, we're on the edge of that right now. Yeah. Your experience is very unique especially for people in the West that always have fuel and electricity. Yeah. And um, for me, uh, I see it as an opportunity. Um, I'm more of an idealist regarding this. You know, like you say about investing in hydropower, well, why not also invest in electric cars? Mm-hmm. so that we don't need petrol mm-hmm. that we switch over to something that we can produce ourselves yeah. like electricity well, that's a good idea that's uh, i agree because uh, in a town there are already some electric car also mm-hmm. and then because of this fuel crisis and power cortex the the uh, the uh, the selling number of electric car is 
getting higher and higher. That's sure. and I have seen yeah already in poker also some mm-hmm. of the electric car. And uh, the other thing I would like to say is uh, I don't want to blame for I mean I don't want to blame uh, Indian government for blocking the border only. You know, mm-hmm. it's our fault also because we have been always relying on other countries. You know. So, and this is a, I mean, a good lesson for our leaders, our government, public, you know, for whole nation, you know, that we should be uh, self-dependent, you know, and um, we should focus what we can do in Nepal, mm-hmm. not just going to abroad and then not always dipping in, in India, China, you know, and uh, even there is a, uh, I mean, election time, we should elect the people who you can really trust, you know. Because uh, and then that sort of leader will help the country, because now uh, most of the political leaders and they are not honest in my personal I mean experience what I have seen what I have noticed uh, they are not so much honest you know so they are always looking for the power and then once they get into the power and then they act differently you know they don't listen to people and so that is the reason we are facing this you know we should be uh, self depend and uh, yeah we should be creative yeah that's 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 what i can say be creative <laughs> yeah be creative you've heard it here first folks that's the solution yeah i completely agree be creative Um, but it's complicated and it's difficult and I really appreciate you sharing your, your experiences with me now and, um, and I'm sure many people who are listening will uh, have a much better understanding of what's going on here um, hearing it from you yeah. directly so thank you very much yeah, you're welcome Hamburg. so the people got creative This next story is about how I got caught in the middle of that creativity. On my way back to Kathmandon to say goodbye to my father, we took the usual tourist bus, and on the outskirts of Pokhara we passed trucks filled with cooking gas and their armed police escorts. There were more lines of people waiting to trade in their old propane cylinders. Shortly afterwards, our bus stopped. We waited. We waited some more. I got out to buy a snack and investigate. I followed two police in riot gear along the lineup of buses and trucks to a crowd of about a hundred people blocking the road. There was one policeman with a soft, round face, wearing a red beret, speaking to the nearest person, shouting. Below the crowd is a line of stones and bamboo, a feeble but effective blockade. I crossed over to the side of the mob and started asking questions. I had a hard time finding someone willing to speak in English. What's happening? No more, man. I can't speak. What's happening? Because you don't have gas. They talk to the camera. Cylinder. Cylinder don't have. Yeah. Last one, strike. Yeah, yeah, but why? Why Why this? This one, for our safety. So what is this going to do? My name is Suleiman Bode. The gas company 
give the gas, but the, the gas was uh, up. We, we didn't get, get gas here. So what's happening? So we are we are striking for the gas. We should also get gas. H how are you striking? Uh, we are blocking our roads. Blocking roads so we, nobody can pass here. Now there is uh, some debating with the police. They will say. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? We'll get uh, gas. We should get gas. Because the gas company is here and the gas company is giving uh, gas to other cities, other places, but not here. So we are striking here to get the gas. Oh, thank you, thank you. If you didn't catch that, he said that the gas company passed through but didn't stop. They are striking to get a propane delivery. Now give me. People are angry. After no block of the road. Angry people. Total people are angry. Why no give me hair? Just then, the riot police stepped forward and started breaking the blockade, lifting the bamboo and kicking the rocks away. The people resist. The bamboo goes down. It all seems very casual. The air is electric but docile. A strange contrast. Suddenly it escalates, and the police give it another try clearing the bamboo and starting to move the crowd. Just when I think it's over, the old ladies step in and block the road with their bodies, stern-faced and unmovable as Mother Mountain. She said, this small village women's group is demanding gas. Something happens in the negotiations and the police go away. Whatever it was, the people like it. Were they told what they wanted to hear? Is the gas coming? The villagers quickly rebuild their blockade and the grandmothers sit on top of it. As we all waited to see if the police kept their word, I spoke to some of the innocent bystanders. Are you living in this village? Not here. I'm, I'm going to Kathmandu. I'm a passenger oh. and I'm stuck here. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be a very big problem for me. Yeah, yeah. So do you understand the gas problem? Do you understand it, what's happening? Yeah, they're saying that uh, the, the cylinders, yeah, gas, cylinders gas cylinders are taken to Pokhara, but the people of here are not getting any gas cylinders. So that's their problem. Mm. That the, all the gas cylinders that are entering here, it's going Pokhara. It's not here. That's why they are on the strike. And do you think the gas will come here? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because it's, it's, tough. it's tough to get gas right now. It's a double, double price, triple price sometimes? Uh, I think double, more than double. People yeah. are taking in black, in black, they are selling in black and it's more than double. Yeah. And uh, do you think it's fair, do you think it's right no, it's for what's happening right. here? Yeah, it's not right, but what can we 
The police came back and told the villagers that the gas trucks would return and deliver gas. The villagers opened the blockade, feeling happy and proud, and my bus left before any delivery was made. I wonder if the police stuck to their word. This small roadblock of empowered citizens I see as a microcosm of the bigger issue. If you don't get what you want, strike. If the police give in to their demands, then it sets a precedent that has long been practiced in Nepal. Whether on the highway or on the national border, the temper tantrum tactics will either work or incite violence. As I understand it, India is demanding two things from the Nepalese government. One, a framework for the amended constitution, and two, quelling the protests. Amending the constitution should quell the protests, because those who are rising up are the ones the constitution alienates. However, there are only two-year term limits, and the current seat of power favors China. It's possible that this may not be resolved until the Nepal government changes back to favoring India. In my opinion, there's too much pride on both sides for this to go away easily or quickly. It seems saving face is more important than having access to global trade. I'm not holding my breath for a resolution, even when the smog of wood fires is choking the sky. The price of wood has become more expensive than the propane cooking gas. Most trucks I see are filled with scavenged wood from the lake and rivers. The sickly sweet stench of old wood reminds us that a crisis like this is a challenge and an opportunity. Not using cooking gas or petrol isn't a far step backward for Nepal. Most of the country doesn't drive and cooks on wood anyway. Frankly, I have embraced it. It's good training for when we really do run out of fuel on this planet. My motorbike is parked. I walk and cycle more. I've planted more food than usual. I have more reasons to stay home and be with my family. I'm not worried. Should I be? Thank you for listening. This episode was written and produced by me, Hamilton Pevick, co-produced by Nisha Bremner and Storyteller Productions. Music for this episode was written by Brian Albert Planis and Alex Formosa. You can check out Alex's website at www.alexformosa.com. That's F-O-R-M-O-S-A. For the record, I approached Brian after I heard him play guitar and asked him to whip up some music for the podcast. Thank you, Brian. It's people like you that will help bring this show to life and discover an honest voice. And thanks for all your hard work helping to rebuild Nepal safer. Next time on American Immigrant, we're going back to the earthquake aid relief work and what I'm calling a relief cast. Let's see if that name sticks. Until then, tell someone you love them.
because I like it. You, you, you gave it the space to go into something else, yeah. which I think is yeah. good. Um, Did you ever have to buy black market fuel? Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, luckily, uh, you know, the, the drivers kind of had their way of going about things. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, did you get the did you get the pure pure stuff? Uh, well, the cars didn't break down. <laughs> That's good. That's a good sign. Yeah. I don't know. When my brother bought it, my brother-in-law, he was like, "Yeah, this is the pure one from India." And I'm like, "This is we're talking about petrol, yeah. you know, gasoline, yeah. cheese." Thank you for listening. This episode was written and produced by me, Hamilton Pevick, co-produced by Nisha Bremner and Storyteller Productions. Music for this episode was written by Brian Albert and Alex Formosa. For the record, I approached Brian after I heard him play guitar and asked him to whip up some music for the podcast. Thank you, Brian. It's people like you that will help bring this show to life and discover an honest voice. Next time on American Immigrant, we're going back to the earthquake aid relief work in what I'm calling a relief cast. Let's see if that name sticks. Until then, tell someone you love them.